So we bless you, all the dads. I just want to bless you. So all the fathers, this is, well, let's pray for all the dads, all the fathers in the house. I know there's some that are out. I know Rodney's with his son today. He's absolutely, he loves every chance he gets to be with Marcus. So we miss Rodney, but there's a lot of fathers in the house. And so I want to pray a blessing. Um, there, there are lions inside of us that's time for us to roar. There is a void that's waiting for us to fill it. And I just want to speak over the Father. So, Lord, we just love you. And you said in Psalms that uh, being a father is a blessing from you, that children are a blessing from the Lord, that they are inheritance from you, and that blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. There are like arrows that we're to point in the direction to pull back and to release into the future. Um, they are created for this day and for this time. They were born for such a time as this, our children. So God, we ask that you would bless our sons and our daughters. God, I pray that you would help us as fathers to push the ceiling so high that, that it's easier for them in the future. We pray the prayer that if there must be war, may it be in our time that our sons and daughters may know peace. If there must be hard times, may it be in my time that my sons and daughters may have a prosperous and peaceful existence. God, I bless the fathers here. I bless them with strength. I bless them with endurance. May they know you and love you all the days of their lives. May they not know one moment away from your presence. Whew. If they feel that they're lacking in any way, I ask that you would show them that our strength is made per your strength is made perfect in our weakness. We just declare that over them, that if they feel like they're missing the mark, that they're lacking in any way, that you would strengthen them right now. God, I ask that their dreams would come true. I ask that their desires to accomplish and to succeed in life, that they would come true. I ask that their name would be honored on the earth. And I pray most of all that their bloodline would all know you and love you. <clears throat> in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and open up, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. And we got other scriptures, but Matthew chapter 4 and in, um, in John 10, we're going to be there as well. But Matthew chapter 4 and John 10. Now, I don't know, there was a, a, a phrase that uh, Shagun said multiple times today. I don't, does anyone remember? There was a specific phrase he said multiple times. Does anyone remember it? Pay attention. Who said that? You are very well done. I wish we had a prize to give. He said, pay attention. He said it at least four or five times that I can remember. Pay attention. Like when the man looked up to Peter and John, he gave them his attention. Like Jesus is calling us to give him our attention. Uh, actually, the word repent means to turn and to give your attention to him. And actually, worship is giving our attention to him. It's turning and pointing our aim at him. And today I want to talk about I th and he said that God's going to be moving pieces around. He talked about pawns and almost like a, a shifting and a changing and a recalibration. I don't know if he used that word, but that's my word um, uh, happening. And I feel like the Lord's going to do that today. We, we sang it in worship. We're coming back to a heart of worship, getting back to the, the original things. Well, that means we're, we're refocusing our aim. We're refocusing our attention, right? And I want to I want to talk through a thing today, a, a, a message. It's a broader message, and it, it is to give us the scope of what worship is. Worship is not songs that we sing. It's not any of these. Those are part of worship, but worship is the life that we live before God that says to him, you're worth it. You deserve it. You are worthy of my attention. You are worthy of my aim. You are worthy of my uh, affection. You're worthy of my wasting my life on you is not wasting it. It's spending my life on you is not spending it. Like I get a reward for it, right? He's the reward. Are y'all okay? Like worship, worship is aim. It is attention. It's pointing at him and not losing focus off of him. And so, God, I just ask that you would come today and that your Holy Spirit would come right now and anoint me to say the words I need to say. I ask that you would break up ground. I ask that you would remove things that twist the word where we don't fully hear it or the birds of prey that come to steal the seed before it's put into practice. And we ask that there will be change happen in this house today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say that. 
in that parable, the birds of prey came, the seed was sown, and before the, the seed could be put into practice, because before it could be put into the ground, the birds of prey, the enemy came and stole the seed. Listen to me. Anytime the word of the Lord is spoken and we don't put it into practice, we're leaving the seed that was sown on the ground and it's available to be stolen by the enemy. Anytime we hear a word from the Lord and we do not immediately dig deep into our heart and plant it and begin to practice it and put it into practice, we are leaving that seed, that precious uh, word of God that produces life, that changes the atmosphere, that shifts destinies. We're leaving it on the road and it's available to, available to be stolen by the enemy. And the Bible says, don't be hearers only of the word. Because when we think we, we hear it and we only hear it, we don't put it into practice. What do we do? We deceive ourselves. And then we think more highly of ourselves than we should. And we think things about ourselves that we shouldn't think about. And the Lord is saying today, don't let what the Lord has been saying to you sit on the road and be available to be stolen by an enemy who's looking for every chance to steal the seed that God plants inside of us. He knows the power that's in the word. And, and the, the word is only as valuable as when it's put into practice. We have to put it into practice. And so in Matthew chapter 4, <clears throat> hey man, <laughs> Matthew chapter 4. Starting with verse 16. Matthew 4, verse 16, and Jesus is speaking, and, it's, and it says, And the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Everyone say, a great light. And on those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Amen. And then it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say. He began to preach and to say. What did he say? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is a hand. And repent means to change the way we think. It means to turn our attention to the Lord. In the Old Testament, when the prophets would say to repent, what they were literally saying is turn back your attention back to the Lord. Turn your aim back to the Lord. So he's saying from that time on, Jesus said, turn your attention to God. Turn your attention to the Father. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were fishing, right? They were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, what did he say? I'm going to say, follow me. He gave them an aim, a target, follow me. That's a big target, right? It could mean a lot of things. But all that mattered to them was Jesus said, follow me. He gave them a purpose for their life. They thought their purpose was to fish. And he says, no, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to give you a new purpose. Follow me. He gave them an attention point. All right? And the Bible says uh, immediately they left their nets. They left everything familiar to them. They left it, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And they were out in a boat, and they were with their father, and they were mending their nets. And he called them, and he said the same thing to them, follow me. And immediately they left their father, they left the boat, they left their fishing, and they went and followed Jesus. So the point here is Jesus said, follow me. He gave them aim, he gave them a purpose. In John chapter 10, verse 24 through 30, we're going to read that and then we're going to dive into the thought for today. John 10, verse 24, Jesus uh, the, was surrounded, the Jews surrounded Jesus and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you're really the Messiah, if you're really the Christ, then just tell us plainly. <laughs> and Jesus said, I've told you already. I've told you over and over and over and over again, but you don't believe me. And he says, the works that I do, I do in my Father's name, and they bear witness of the things I tell you. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. Because my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Everyone say, I know them. And they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall be able to snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all of them, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. So these 
These stories talk about when Jesus calls us, he brings us into a place of attention, which is follow me. It's a simple statement, follow me. The disciples followed him, and the process that they began to walk through was that he became their shepherd, and they became his sheep. They only followed him. They knew his voice because they belonged to him. Now, you belong to Jesus, right? Hopefully you belong. If you don't right now, just say, I I need you, Jesus. I belong to you, and that's it. That's it. You're part of relationship with him right now. Just turn to the Lord, right? The moment you turn, you're in relationship with him. So from that place, you know his voice, You know his voice. You were built to hear from God. So follow me was their aim. So when Jesus said, follow me, he gave them a target. He gave them a point of reference. He gave them a a thing to give their lives to. And how many of you have heard Jesus call you, follow me? How many have heard that? Follow me. Just walk with me. Just go where I go. Okay, we used to sing that song, where you go, I go, what you say, I say, what you pray, I pray. Oh, if Jesus only did what he saw you do, how how much more should I do that, right? How many felt the call, follow me? Jesus say, follow me. I feel him call that every day to me. Jared, follow me. Don't get distracted. Remember, worship is aim. Worship is attention. It's paying attention. And follow me was what he told them to put their attention on. Not anything else. Not fishing, not being great preachers, not performing great miracles. Follow me. Everyone say, follow me. So those who worship me, Jesus is saying, must worship me in spirit and in truth. You know, in, in John, when Jesus met the woman at the well, she's like, oh, my fathers, they worship here, they worship there. He goes, no, there's coming a time, and it's already here when you're not going to worship over here or over there, but I'm, you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Amen? Yeah. Follow me was a simple target. Don't you think when Jesus says to us, follow me, it's a pretty simple command, right? It starts off really simple, right? Follow me. Okay, I know I'm going in that direction. I don't know any of the stuff between here and there, but I'm just going there. I'm following you. I'm staying focused on you. It sounds simple, but it arranged their lives, okay? I'm trying to, I want to, I want to draw this, drive this home, okay? Giving our attention to something will arrange our lives. Worshiping Jesus will arrange our lives. Follow me arranged the disciples' lives, so much so that when Jesus said it to them, they left everything, and they just walked after him. They didn't know. He didn't give them any promises. He just said, I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say you're going to be wealthy. He didn't say I'm going to make sure you're fed. He didn't say I'm going to make sure you have clothing. He didn't say I'm going to make sure your businesses do well. He didn't give them any promises. He just said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they did it. It arranged their lives. And and you know, if you've read through all the Gospels, they spent the next three to three and a half years following Jesus wherever he went. They didn't want to let him out of their sight. They followed him. Why? Because their initial Uh, encounter with the Messiah, with the King of Kings, was follow me. And it arranged their lives. How many of you have heard Jesus say, follow me? How is it arranging your life? Because what we worship, we will arrange our lives around. What we point our attention at will get our attention. And it started out, just follow me, simple target, right? There's the target, there's the aim, follow me, pay attention to me. It grew in its depth as they grew in their relationship with him. How many could see the process the disciples went through that when they started out, it looked one way, and as they began to walk with Jesus, the, the term follow me took on greater and greater depth and understanding. In the, in the beginning, it just meant follow me. But as they began to walk, it began to mean so much more than just follow me. Follow me grew and grew. And as they walked, the definition of follow me came into greater and greater focus. How many of you have been following Jesus for some time? 
the, the definition and the focus of that command to follow me should mean a whole lot more now than it did when we first started. Like our focus toward that aim should be getting narrower and narrower instead of distracted, distracted all over. We're worried about all these other things. No, follow me. See, as a matter of fact, even the disciples had a hard time with this. There were many times that as they were following Jesus, their aim was off by varying degrees, right? And Jesus would have to come back in and remind them, nope, follow me. Don't don't be over here. Don't be worrying about this thing. What's some examples? Hey, Jesus, is this when you're going to set up your throne as the king and we get to be like in the cool crowd and we get to hang with you and rule? Uh, well, no, follow me. It's not for you to know the dates and times. You're distracted right now. That wasn't the aim that I gave you. The aim I gave you was to just follow me. Okay, well, hey, Jesus, can I be your favorite? Can I sit on your right hand? And, and they didn't even have the guts to ask Jesus themselves. They sent their mommy to ask Jesus for them. <laughs> like, hey, uh, can my sons, can one sit on your right hand and one sit on Whoa, whoa, whoa. That wasn't the aim. Oh, Jesus, Woo! we cast out demons. Yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He patted him on the back. But then he says, but don't rejoice that demons tremble when you say my name. Rejoice that your name is written where? In the Lamb's book of life. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that was awesome, but that wasn't the aim I gave you. Follow me was the aim. Oh, if this woman knew how expensive that perfume was. She wouldn't waste it on Jesus. And if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch. Hey, wait, wait, guys. That wasn't what I told you to do. I said, follow me. There were even occasions where on this path of following Jesus that they were after something completely different. It wasn't even Jesus's agenda. And he would have to bring them back into repentance. Like in Luke chapter 9, they were offended because people didn't respect Jesus the way they thought they should. Like Jesus would say, and, they, and Jesus was kind of ridiculed, and the people didn't give Jesus a, uh, the honor that he deserved. And so the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven? We'll take care of these guys for treating you that way. And Jesus looked at them, hey, hey, guys, where's your aim right now? You don't even know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save lives. Get back, follow me. If you see me do it, you do it. If you hear me say it, you say Other than that, it's not your concern. Y'all okay? Remember Peter cutting off the guy's ear? Hey, Peter, what are you doing, man? Jesus heals the ear. I, I didn't come to have a sword and have a bloody revolution. Stop what you're doing over here. You're, you're off in your aim. You're, you're somewhere over here. Recalibrate. Repent. Get back on the original aim. Follow me is a simple command. Just follow me, not this other stuff. And then remember when Peter, Jesus is saying that he's going to go to the cross, and Peter's like, never. I'm not going to let you go to the cross. <laughs> I bet he felt really bad later. When he realized that that was the whole plan of everything from the beginning of the world was that Jesus would be crucified. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And Jesus had to look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. You are trying to be a stumbling block to God's plan for my life. You're trying to cause uh, uh, an offense in me right now. So get behind me. And then he says, I'm going to build my church. Get back on target. Get back on to the aim. Follow me. All right, let's keep going. This is in Revelation chapter 2. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. Hey, I know your works. Like, you labor, your patience. You can't bear things that are evil. Like, I've seen all this. Like, you attest to the apostles, and, and you found that they're not liars. You have persevered, and you have had patience, and you've done all this in my name, but nevertheless, I have one thing against you. Your aim's off. Yeah, you're doing all the other stuff. Well done on all that, but your aim is off. Remember from where you started. 
Look at the height from where you've fallen. Go back and do the things you did at first. What did we do at first? Follow me. Okay, where are we going, Jesus? Doesn't matter. Just follow me. Yes, sir. Follow you. Go back and restore and and rebuild what you did at first. Do that. Or, (laughs) he says, repent and do the things you did at first. And he says, or I'll come and remove your lampstand. I don't think this verse is just telling telling us and showing us to forget all the things we've learned on the journey of follow me. That's not the point. We're supposed to grow and mature in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. We're supposed to grow in our giftings on this journey of follow me. But we can't be distracted by all the stuff that has now become part of Christianity or part of our walk with Jesus or part of building a church or building a ministry or whatever it is and have all of our gifts and all the things we've learned we use them to serve our purposes or what we think needs attention. And Jesus is saying, nope, nope, nope. You're worried about that. You're worried about this. You're concerned with this. You're, you're, you're frustrated here. You're, no, come on. Stop all that. Repent, actually, is what he says. It's not, it's not even, like, insignificant. It's not like, oh, it's so cute. Just get back on target. He's like, no, either repent or I will remove your lamp from the lampstand. And I feel like the Lord's talking to us as a church for us to get back on on target. To to bring our focus and our attention back to the simple thing of just follow Jesus. We bring everything we've learned with us, but we just keep following him. We, We just stay on the path. Go back to the original target. Then we'll be able to see clearly. See the word sin in the New Testament it, it doesn't mean disobey. It doesn't mean become evil. It means, you know this, you've been in church. It means to miss the mark, to miss the aim. So misplaced aim is actually sin. Now, it would be really easy to stand and to preach about the sins that are listed well, you've got lust, and you've got you know anger, and you've got um, greed, and you've got hatred, and you've got all the stuff that we could list, right? That would be really easy because then we could point at people like, well, look, they're lustful. Oh, they're in, they're in sin. They're hateful. They're evil. It's not me, but where is my aim misplaced? Where, where have I stopped the original target of follow Jesus? Where have I become distracted and allowed something else to gain my affection? And see, it's really dangerous because when, when other things other than Jesus gain our affection, then they also gain, they gain our loyalty. <laughs> And we defend them. Well, I'm just being really wise. That's why I'm, I'm concerned with this thing and I'm distracted. Well, I'm just being, I, I, I'm being, I'm being a good steward. So I'm going to work really hard here, but I, I haven't spent any time with Jesus. And we build up walls around our deception. And the Lord's saying, hey, I, you're doing a good work. And I, I feel the Lord saying this to us. You're doing a good job. Don't don't get distracted. God bless you. Don't be distracted. Don't be pulled into arguments and and all the stuff the world wants to just pull us into. Stop it. Don't come under the influence of the age, which is there's got to be something wrong everywhere we go. You want to know how we know we've we've come under an aimless religious spirit? is we see problems instead of solutions everywhere. Like, if I feel like, man, I'm just not seeing God's favor on my life, well, there must be something wrong with me. Well, that's not always the best place to start because, how me know, there's no one righteous but Jesus, right? So at any point in time, it doesn't matter how, how well we're doing, if we want to, we can dig up some dirt. Are you okay? Like, if we try hard enough, we can really destroy ourselves and point the finger and be like, well, there's something wrong with me. Yes, there's something wrong with every single one of us. 
None of us get it right. None of us come close to getting it right, which is why we need Jesus, which is why we need grace. See, when I'm distracted, I see problems. When I'm worshiping Jesus and I'm following him, I only see what he sees. And Jesus isn't looking for dirt. Jesus isn't looking for ineffectiveness. Jesus, Jesus speaks life into things. And when Jesus sees those things, he doesn't come and beat us over the head about them. He prophesies into us. Come on, you're better than this. Let's go. And so he's telling him, go back and, and start the things over from the beginning. Follow Jesus. Get your aim corrected because you're sinful right now because your aim is misplaced. Now, I'm going to say this in the, at the altar time later. If you feel like there is a place in your life where you're distracted and your aim is off, don't dust it under the rug today. It's, it's kryptonite. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'll just work on it. We won't work on it. Oh, I'll take care of it later. No, we won't. We will protect our loyalty to protect that place of weakness. We will build a wall around it. No one will be able to get close to it if we don't deal with it right now. Because it's sin. It's sin. Misplaced aim, misplaced worship is sin. It isn't cute. And the Lord's saying, go back and repent. What does repent mean? Change the way you think. Reestablish proper aim. Turn toward Jesus. Follow me. Fix that. Right? So when the disciples got to the end of this, follow me meant a whole lot more than that first day. But if they knew the end from the, in the beginning, they may not have known or had the capacity to just say yes. Because the journey of following him, it builds up in us everything we need. Everything we need to be right before God. Everything we need to stand firm. Everything we need to, to persevere, to be victorious, to live in Christ. Everything we need comes on the journey of following him. It doesn't come with, with working on ourselves on the side or self-help or I'm, I'm going to counsel my way in to follow Jesus. Nope, it's just follow Jesus. It's painful. Amen? Like, it's painful. Because when Jesus speaks, his word cuts us. We talked about it a few weeks ago. It's like he has the sword out. His word is a sword. And he's like, hey, come closer. And you're like, Mm -mm. <laughs> no, I did this last time. It hurts. Nope. Come here. The sword. Walk through. I, I've heard this from Bill years ago, and it, I've, it's never left me. The sword cuts us and heals us at the same time, but we have to have the courage to step through the sword, to let it cut us. And I'm praying that today the word of the Lord cuts us because we're distracted on so many things. And you know what it does when, when our aim is misplaced and when we're distracted is it kills momentum, it kills hope, it kills faith, it kills encouragement, like it, kills the, it kills the reason for getting up and doing it another day. Here's like, well, it's not really worth it. That's what happens. If you felt that, your aim is misplaced. Like, and I'm not talking at you. I'm just saying saying it that way. Like the days that I get up and I'm like, I don't want to do this, man. I've got misplaced aim somewhere because I can't follow Jesus and not be hopeful. <laughs> I can't follow him and not have joy. I can't follow him and not have peace. I can't follow him and be confused at the same time. Why do, why, how can I be confused if I only have one command and that's just to walk with him? Where, where can confusion come in if I just obey? Confusion only comes in when I'm of two minds. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And they're tossed by the waves of life and 
like mood is affected by how the day is going, how work's going, how marriage is going, how kids are going, how money is going, how body feels today. No, it, it doesn't matter. Follow Jesus. It's a simple instruction. It sure does grow in its meaning over time. I want to read something to you that I wrote the other day. When our aim is misplaced, we get disappointed, right? You know, disappointed. Your appointment has been removed. Your aim has been taken away. So I'm disappointed. I'm not focused on follow me. I'm disappointed. I have other appointments to to tend to. And they aren't life-giving. Only one appointment in life is life-giving. Only one. And it's Jesus. Every other thing that I'm putting my attention toward that isn't from him or isn't a command from him, it will never give life to me. It will only steal life from me. And I woke up last, uh, I think it was Monday morning. And this is really rare that this would happen to me. I, I, I generally have, have I've had to learn this. I've had to grow in this. I'm pretty optimistic now, which is insane. Like internally, I'm optimistic. You may not hear it from me externally, um, but internally, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty trusting of what God's doing. Like, I'm pretty good with this. Like, I'm not going to judge by what I see with my eyes or with my ears. Like, I'm getting better at that, right? And the follow Jesus. Like, it's pretty easy, right? But I woke up in the middle of the night extremely disappointed, just discouraged. And the enemy comes in and he lies to us, right? He lies. And he tells us lies. And the the best lies that he tells us are the ones that are so close to true or that have an emotion attached to them. And he tells us these lies to stir up our disappointment because he wants to get us off the mark of follow Jesus. I just need to get them doing anything else. Anything. It doesn't have to be sin. doesn't have to be evil. Doesn't have to be witchcraft. You're not like, you know, casting spells. It could just be, I'm really pouring a lot of attention into this thing, but not him. So then he comes in and he lies to us and then he provides evidence that makes his lies sound even better. And he begins to give pictures to my mind and I'm like, wow, kind of right. (laughs) You have a point, point for the devil. You know, you start going through that process But that's not the sneakiest part of all of it. Like, if that was all he did, that would be like, good trick, man. Like, good trick. You took the evidence from my life, you spun it in a way that I partnered with you, and now I'm discouraged. Because I had misplaced aim, right? But the sneakiest lie is is the voice that follows his voice. Let me explain this, all right? Here's the example. The enemy comes in and he will lie to you and he'll say, hey, you're a failure. Hey, you're a sinner. Hey, you're an idiot, whatever. You're a moron. You're stupid. You're doing dumb things. You're never going to amount to anything. I don't, whatever his voice that comes to you. You are insignificant. You're never going to be significant. You're not supernatural. I mean, when's the last time you saw a miracle? You don't have God's favor yet. Man, you must have sin. Like, if, if you're not seeing the supernatural and you don't feel God's favor, there must be something wrong with you. Are you okay? I'm closing, I promise. Oh, the church isn't going to grow. You're not going to see the promises that, that, that God gave you. You're going to live in mediocrity. All lies, right? And it's a good trick that he plays. But here's the worst part of it. It's not the lies that he says to us that are the sneakiest trick It's our response to the lies that's the sneakiest thing. Because what happens is we usually hear a voice in response to what he says that are lies, and it sounds like this. Well, I need to try harder here. Or or maybe I need to to try what they're trying because it's working for them, 
Maybe I need to do what they're doing. Or maybe I need to find out what people actually like and provide that, and maybe more people will come to church. I'm just being honest, right? Or maybe we just need to shift directions. Like, and that's the sneakiest part of the enemy's trick. It's not just the lies. It's our response to the lies is continued misplaced aim. Hey, focus on this. And now, because I believed lies from the enemy, I have now, again, taken my eyes off Jesus. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to help myself here. I'm going to get better there. I feel really bad about my body. I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong in themselves. But in response to the lies of the enemy, they're wrong. Because they're misplaced aim. And his job is to get us to toil. Worship and toiling cannot go together. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon means to cause to toil. And when I am not following Jesus, simple target, aim at Jesus, walk with Jesus. When I'm doing anything else, I'm toiling. And the Lord wants to free us from toiling today. And it all starts because we misplaced our aim. And, and, and it's all different for all of us. Like we all have different things that cause us to move our aim at something else. Oh, the neighbors, the neighbors, you know, have, have this thing going on and our friends, our family expect this or, my, you know, my brother-in-law's church is doing really well. Like all the stuff that gets us to, huh, I, I'm jealous and I'm kind of this and that. I'm going to move off the mark and aim somewhere else. It's all a trick. It's a trick of the enemy. And the Lord today wants to set us free from it. He gave us a simple instruction. It was just follow me. How many have heard that call? Follow me. Follow me. Like it means more now than it did when we first said yes. But the simple act of saying yes has not ever changed. That's all that's required is for you and I to just say yes. Everyone try it. Yes. <laughs> When we say yes to the Lord, it's so powerful. <clears throat> Would you stand? Your yes is powerful. Your yes will cause your life to be arranged around what you said yes to. Amen? So God, we come to you now. We ask, forgive us for having misplaced worship, misplaced aim. Forgive us. Come on. Hmm. We have sinned. I have sinned. If you felt like this word was for you, like the Lord was on this, you felt life on it for your life, I'd like for you to come to the front and kneel. Like if you need to find a chair, if it's not comfortable kneeling at the altar here, that's fine. But we need to make a place of repentance. Like this isn't cute. Being distracted isn't cute. It's kryptonite. It will absolutely kill us. We've got to rearrange our lives today. Remember how opened. I'm just going to start being more bold. Can't just be hearers of the word. Just can't. It doesn't work. Father, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit now. And like, I'm aware of specific things. Like, you've already brought this up with me. I'm aware. But there's undoubtedly things that I'm unaware of. And I ask for you, Holy Spirit, to shine your light of truth. Reveal right now to me 
where I have misplaced my worship and my aim. Jesus, cut me with the word. Father, we ask you forgive us. Holy Spirit, show us where we have another agenda. How about, how about this? The proof that the disciples were Jesus' disciples was that when other people encountered them, they said, hey, these, these people are ignorant. <laughs> they're unlearned. They're, they're religious. But man, we can tell they've been with Jesus. Like, they smell like Jesus. They sound like Jesus. They do what Jesus did. And so I I want our lives to be marked with the fragrance of Jesus. If we are following him, then other people will notice that Jesus is with us and we're with Jesus. So Father, we come to you now. We know that you've given us this call to follow Jesus. And I ask... (laughs) I ask that our lives will be marked with the fragrance of the Messiah, the resurrected King, with the desire of the nations, with the Prince of Peace. So what's going to happen is he's going to, he's asking us to go back and do the things we did at first. Simplify. To simplify things. Don't forget what you've learned. Don't forget how you've grown in your giftings. But he is going to simplify things. So when he says to repent, we're doing that right now. When he says to go back and do the things we did at first, that's the homework. That's the decision we make every day where we say yes to him. Father, we pray now that you'd restore to us the joy of our salvation and renew a right spirit within us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation 
and renew a right spirit within us. Jesus. we'll just close like this we'll leave it here you stay praying where you are yeah I could barely see it yeah um nothing like waiting to the very end um I don't feel like I can uh, that we can go on without me saying what I actually felt during worship that just goes along with everything that he's been saying but I've become increasingly aware of this sin of focusing on ourselves. And I, I felt like I had a word um, during worship, but I felt it was so for, it was for so many of us in the room that I didn't know how about going about getting to everybody that I felt that I felt. So I just wanted to kind of open it up. But Like, I really feel, like, I feel like a lot of us are so um, guilty or weak in the area where we, we shift, we've shifted our focus from Jesus and just looking at Him that we focus on ourselves. And so we're so aware of our weakness and we're so aware of our shortcomings and we're so aware of what we're not able to do. And that's, that's probably got to be one of the greatest sins of all, I think, because, you know, if I'm not looking at Jesus, then how am I seeking Him? How am I knowing Him? How am I loving Him? In Revelation 4, 4, it says to go back and you, you no longer love me like you did at first or others. Look how far you've fallen. You no longer love me like you did at first or others. And, and it hit me that, you know, that's, that's what happened. It didn't even just stop with us. Like, we shift our focus from Jesus to now we're looking at our shortcomings, but now guess what? Now I'm, I'm looking at your shortcomings. Now I'm looking at your stuff. I'm, I'm comparing, right? I'm not only comparing myself to you, but then before you know it, like that's the trick. And so I, I know so many people struggle with this. I know. And it, and it can seem like an impossible thing, but I tell you what, I really feel the heart of the Lord and the call that there is a place where we can step into, where we see Him, and because we see Him, we get a glimpse of who we are in Him. And we stay there, and we abide in there, and we don't worry about what our words sound like when we go to give a prophetic word, or we don't worry about what we look like, or I don't know, you know, all the things that we do, and we feel, and we think, like we don't worry about that because we're just in Him. We've seen, we've seen who He says we are, who He called us to be, who we are, our identity. And the beautiful part about that is now I can see you. I now see you. I see me. I love me. I love God. I love you. I see you right through his eyes. This is so critical. It's so critical that we get that part right. And so I just, I just want to encourage you that if you find yourself, you're down on your, you're hard on yourself. You're aware of your shortcomings, your weakness. That's the first thing that pops up at the Lord asks you to follow him somewhere or do something or say something or whatever. And you're so aware of what you aren't instead of who you are in Him, I want to invite you to repent. And, and I want to encourage you to have faith to believe that from this day forward, you will abide in your identity in Him. That you won't, get, you won't aim and shift the focus off of Him and His face and, and who He is and who you are in Him, okay? So please, just don't and if you want prayer for that, I invite you to, to come down and get prayer for that. But please don't leave without just, if, if that hits your heart, please just make time to repent, okay? And um, yeah, that's it. Um, God calls every one of you His sent ones. You all 
prophesy. You all preach the gospel. You all will see signs and wonders or see. I'm declaring saying it, but I really, I believe this in my heart. You all will see miracles. You all will pray and see people healed and delivered and saved. Every one of you in this room. And so I just bless you. I bless who you are in Jesus. I bless what he is doing in each and every one of you. You're so valued. You're so um, cherished in the kingdom. Every one of you are seen. Every one of you are powerful. Every one of you are enough because of Jesus. And so we just bless you. We bless you, fathers. You're wonderful. And um, thank you, fathers, for being good dads. Like I can look through the room and I can honestly say that I'm surrounded by good fathers. And man, that, that has to be probably one of the most powerful things in the world are good fathers. And so I just bless you guys. And, um, and just also just want to end by saying, if you have your offering, we didn't make time, but y'all have the opportunity to give that if you need to. But we love you guys. We pray y'all have a wonderful time with your family. And God bless y'all.